at the beginning of a business show, we all do business to earn money. But at the beginning, you should focus on getting the product that will get you money later on. You need to, even if it's not like a, a software product, can be like anything. Uh, you need to get uh, to be, you need to, be ready to not earn money for some time, but get more clients. So you can get feedback and then you can get more money. You're listening to the B2B Growth Think Tank, the show that brings you the virtual hot seat where each week my expert guests and I help another business leader by masterminding actionable solutions to a specific challenge they're currently trying to solve in their business. So if you're looking for answers to a specific challenge that you're facing, that if you could solve in the next 90 days would have a huge impact on your growth, send it in to thinktank at thinklikeafish.co.uk and we'll see if we can feature you on the show. My name is Adam King, your host and the captain of the ship at growth consultancy Think Like a Fish. And if you're ready to rethink what's possible for your business and discover the growth strategies, advice and insight to turn this new vision into a reality, let's get started. Hey, Adam here, and thanks very much for tuning in. And as you are, I'm going to make the assumption that you are responsible for generating revenue for an established B2B professional service business, and you're looking to grow your revenue. So what I've got for you, you're going to absolutely love because I've recently released my new revenue multiplier calculator and bonus training where using this tool and following the training, you'll discover how to uncover the hidden revenue opportunities in your business and be able to systemize your growth using seven revenue multipliers that can double your business in 12 months or less. So if you want to go and grab your copy, go to thinklikeafish.co.uk forward slash calculator. Now on to today's episode. Oh, hello and welcome to the B2B Growth Think Tank. Now, joining me today to talk business growth and to help out a fellow business leader on the virtual hot seat is someone with a pretty impressive background in growth hacking. Now, she is the Director of Digital Marketing at 10Web, which helps freelance developers and web and marketing agencies cut costs, increase revenue, find and manage more clients, secure client retention with super fast and high quality services, and find ways to grow their business with the help of growth hacking. And a big part of her success has come through identifying high leverage collaborations and partnerships with top industry influencers and companies such as AppSumo, Product Hunt, and WebARX. And now, as I am a huge advocate of the power of partnerships and collaboration, this is going to be a super valuable episode and a great conversation if you're looking for new ways to grow. So I am honored to welcome today's guest that I'm going to do my very best not to mispronounce her name. And I hope she'll correct me if I get it wrong. But welcome to the show, Arax Nalbanya. How are you doing? Hey there, Adam. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm great. Uh, happy to be here. Now, did I do a decent job of the pronunciation of your name? It actually, it was pretty spot on. I must admit, I was uh, I was nervous before this because um, I just wanted to make sure I got the name right. So, um, where's where's the name from? Where are you in the world? I'm currently in Armenia, so it's uh, one p.m. here. Ah, awesome! So, um, tell me about the idea of growth hacking. Now, it's a it's a term that I think people may or may not be familiar with, but how do you define growth hacking? 
Yeah, I think it's quite an overused term as well, because a lot of people uh, use it uh, just to describe anything, even uh, um, like standard marketing stuff, they can use it. For me personally, growth hacking is the ability to find uh, quickly the ways to, to grow your client base, to grow your um, revenue and uh Growth hacking and testing and experiments is something kind of similar to, to me uh, because uh, you can't do any growth hacking without experiments. So basically, for me, it's a way to, based on the data, you do experiments and you find the best way for your growth. And so how does that differ from, say, the traditional marketing approach? Um, because growth hacking uh, are uh, quite quick, usually in traditional marketing, we can see that uh, making uh, like ideas, validating them and uh, implementing them can t- uh, usually takes time. But in, the gro- in growth hacking, you do experiments very quickly and it can be not only on the marketing side, but uh, also on the product side. Uh, so you can A-B test on product as well, just not just on your, let's say, landing pages or your advertising. Uh, you can do it on the product as well. Okay. So um, how about some examples? Like what what does growth hacking look like in the real world? Um, I know that you've obviously done it for your own business. You've also helped clients do it. So have you got a couple of examples that could bring some of this idea to life? Sure, we do have like there are a lot of uh, industry like leader examples like for example uh, Dropbox when like uh, back in the years they um, added the, the free space referral campaign that if you were referring to your friend they, they were getting a free uh, spaces space uh, it was like it, it's one of the traditional examples of growth hacking uh, for example in our case uh, we've recently experimented something that helped with our upgrade rate uh, because we do have 14 day free trial and we experimented uh, giving uh, two month free uh, to the users that have visited the checkout page but haven't uh, checked out in 15 minutes. And we uh, it's been like a very recent update, but it's uh, been there for two weeks or so, and we see quite great results there. But mm. it's all based on data again, because we saw that most people that are visiting checkout page, they were upgrading within 10 minutes. So we decided to kind of um, decrease the churn rate of the checkout page and to ca- came up with the idea and seems like it works. Yeah, because I think that a lot of people may well think growth hacking and think it's a way of just generating new clients at scale and, and all that kind of thing. But actually... I think what you're referring to there and some of the definitions as well is that it's not just on the front end, it's where in the business are there leverage points that can be um, used and sort of parts along the buyer journey and the client journey and the experience of the customer and the client and all that kind of thing. Are there those points within a business that you can insert some form of um, I guess growth hack for want of a better word of, of, of describing it that will help the business to achieve some form of growth, whatever that objective is. It could be revenue, it could be reduced churn, it could be long time, uh, lifetime value of a client, all that kind of thing. Because I'm not sure if, um, if if you've sort of had the experience, but a lot of people don't necessarily think of focusing on the growth on the current situation that they're in or the current yeah. 
clients that they have. And actually, that can be one of the biggest sources of growth if they have that decent client base. Is that something you've seen? Uh, yeah, I completely agree with you, especially when it comes to the B2C businesses. When you're targeting like uh, your B2C business, uh, your clients can be a great source of bringing new clients to your business. Uh, word of mouth works greatly when it comes to B2C businesses more. And uh, the statistics show that when your clients refer to different clients, they used to have lower churn rate, they, the conversion rate is higher there. And so you, when you focus on your existing ones, you can um, just do different hacks that are like uh, very well known, like referral campaigns, affiliate campaigns, or something like that. Or you can come up with something fresher and uh, help them uh, to spread the word about your company and get you more clients. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all about advocacy, isn't it? It's about yeah. sort of providing that customer experience, and 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 I'm seeing more and more. Um, about the importance today of customer experience in terms of the growth of a business. Um, I've had people on the podcast that talk about this, Colin Shaw, for example, um, the whole sort of idea around um, customer experience as a serious growth lever. And I think that if if you want to term it under the, you know, the, 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 the growth hack umbrella, I guess that could be considered one, but it's, it, it, you know, that, that whole sort of thing is a lot more sort of in depth and, and requires a lot more sort of, but again, it's, it's looking at data, it's looking at behavior, it's looking at yeah. how people um, interact with your service, your product, your business, all that kind of thing. And, and then considering ways in which you can maximize the value of each interaction and each client within your business. Um, yeah, I, I think there's, we don't often look at things in that way. I don't think um, we sort of look externally and go, right, how do I get my my, my message out more? Um, rather than looking at how can I improve the existing sort of um, situation in a business? How can I improve the way that my experience is, is received by my client or customer? And yeah. often that can lead to a huge uptick in growth. For sure. Um, customer, uh, customer should be at the like center of your company's attention. I don't consider it more, more as a growth hack. More, it, it's more business decision, business vision. Uh, but you should always uh, put uh, your customer first and be customer centric. Um, mm. No matter how big your company is, you need to take a look at your product from customer side. Hmm. So, I mean, if, if people are thinking growth hacking and, and all the rest of it, are there any kind of common mistakes that you find that people make when they start to consider the idea of growth hacking and, and maybe some um, ways to, to, to think differently? Yeah, I think especially at the start, it's quite hard to validate the ideas. Uh, I don't know if you've read the book by uh, Sean Ellis. It's called Hacking Growth. There is a way of scoring your ideas before implementing them. It's called an I score. Mm. Uh, when you like, it's um, how efficient, uh, uh, how effective is the. the how, how effective will experiment be, how confident you are it will work and how easy it is. And then you calculate the average and you see how uh, do you want to experiment it or not. Usually we uh, used to take like the task that were, um, had eight plus points, the average. But at first, when you're just starting, it's quite hard to evaluate the ideas, how effective they will be, how um, easy it will be when implementation is especially how confident you are that that idea will work. 
of course, if in the company there is like well-established like product management team that they can do customer interviews, but it's more in like uh, more developed companies. But when you're just a small business or start a startup just starting, it's um, more difficult to validate if the idea is really valid and um, you should uh, test it or not. Uh, For that, you need to have data, but you also need to understand the market well. Uh, that's one thing that I've noticed. And the other thing is not uh, testing right, uh, not uh, leaving the test for enough, not having enough traffic to test the experiment and see if it works or not. Um, yeah, probably that's the global thing is that you need to have a great data. You need to uh, have well-structured data. Uh, reports where you can track everything where you can see everything and uh, based on that only based on that make your decisions yeah because i i think that it's it's kind of like thinking of it like you 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 are always innovating in a business and and growth hacking is a a form of innovation and there's some well-known um models of innovation um, there's books on innovation the lean startup is is one that comes to mind they have their own model that kind of thing i've had uh, uh, dr roxy mooney on talking about um, innovation specifically around sort of healthcare innovations and things like that but you know it's all about what is it the the desirability the viability and the feasibility sort of stages and all the rest of it and while we don't necessarily need to think about that level of complexity i guess with everything it's worth having that kind of model in mind in terms of right i am going to look to do something that is going to be a growth hack for example and it's like what is my hypothesis is there the desirability for this in the first place like do i have a product solution product market match for example like that is the thing that i first of all need to test then is it sort of you know solution is the solution right is is people actually um paying attention to this like is it something that is going to be viable and that's where you know you need to go out and do those the testing that you refer to and it's all experimentation and and i think that that is something that can easily get missed i think that we would necessarily go into something like this and and, and get very outcome focused rather than process focused when it comes to this sort of thing is that is that a, an observation that you've made Yes, I completely agree with the, especially with the experiment and the outcome part, because uh, like when implementing, uh, when it comes to the growth hacking and testing something, you can just quickly do like, let's say an MVP version uh, and uh, just do the test. And if it works, uh, if the outcome is great, then you can just make it better and better and better. But just uh, focus on the outcome and based on data. Mm. Yeah, and, and I think that one of the things that um, we we don't necessarily sort of think about is is when it comes to this, it's kind of like you're not trying to have the complete end solution when you're doing this sort of thing. You are literally going through the you know the test, iterate, test, iterate, repeat, optimize process in that way. I think that can be quite difficult, especially if you're you, you don't, as you said, like have the whole product marketing teams, and you're you're maybe sort of a little bit small. That comes with its own advantages because you are a bit more agile with that. You can just try things. Um, if you're, you know, you, you can go to your network, you can go to your LinkedIn network, you can go and just talk to people very, very quickly and, and just yeah. kind of ask them questions quickly and and sort of find things out. And one of the best ways to, you know, to test and validate an idea is is simply come up with a a powerful offer 
and and something that is going to be um, very much irresistible to the end user or the client or something like that and just simply ask them is this something that you'd be interested in like is this something that would work for you can you see this fitting into your business your life where you know wherever that may well fit and that is a that is a way of testing like that can be done very very simply yeah, I completely agree that you uh, you need to, uh, as you said, you need to do the interviews. Even even when you are small, uh, you you can do like interviews with your your customers. Let's say you are just starting the business and you don't have enough customers to do the interview. LinkedIn is a great way. Different Reddit threads are a great thread to find people. Different conferences are a great way to find uh, your uh, people that maybe your. Uh, potential customers just go and talk to them understand them based on the da- data you collect that's what we did as well like a couple of years ago we went to different facebook groups to linkedin found different agencies we talked with them we created our customer persona based on that research so you can even find what words they are using where they are hanging out which can help you both for your marketing activities as well as your product development yeah definitely and i, I think it's all about sort of um yeah, first of all, understanding your your, cl- your your client, your customer. What is what is a potential unmet need that they are facing? That's one of the key things that you're wanting to look for. Do they have an unmet need? Is this growth hack going to help this unmet need? Yeah. And, and it may well be something that they are wanting tangibly at the end of it, or it could be, as we've covered, a part of the experience that is missing. Yeah. And that can lead to, uh, you know, to in- increased retention and um, higher lifetime value of a client, that kind of thing. That's another way of considering it. And Ultimately, it's it's asking yourself the question, is there, you know, what's the unmet need or what is the problem yet to be solved? Like, what is the problem that they are facing? You know, what is the jobs that they need to have done? I think that's a Steve Jobs thing. Like, what is that? And and you're, you're, you're constantly trying to uncover some of those things. And if you are then going to sort of come up with a program or some form of growth hack solution, how does that fit in to actually dealing with that? Because come up with a you know an idea in in uh, in isolation and yeah you've got no idea um that's how we came up with one of our main product features is the automatic nine plus page score optimization but we when we started interacting with different agencies different freelance developers we saw in different groups that they're one of their main problems with wordpress or just uh, for their clients uh, for generating more leads were page speed like uh, not uh, loading fast enough not ranking well enough and that, uh, it uh, took a lot of time they were complaining they were like asking advices and that, uh, at that point we understood that we need to create something it's not a, a growth hack growth hack but it's like a, because it's a quite big feature in our product but it's how we we came up with a with the idea of creating something like that and then our engineering team started working on it so it, it can be well that's kind of yeah that's kind of the beauty of of thinking about this you know if you're if you're looking for growth hacks and, and you're looking for ideas for that kind of thing you'll actually often uncover some other pretty good gems it's kind of like i don't know if you ever had the situation it's like you've lost something you're, you know, you lost your keys, you lost something, whatever it is, and you're searching around your house for this. And then all of a sudden you find the shoe that you lost a week ago. It's yeah. kind of like that situation. It's like, I wasn't looking for that this time, but oh, look, there it is. Yeah. And you needed that shoe. <laughs> you know, it's it's very valuable because, you know, you get one wet foot and one, um, one not. But it's kind of, it, it's the same sort of idea and it's always being curious. And I think that 
putting your your customer, your client in the center of everything is key. It's un, you know thinking about them, asking questions about them, like their situation, their challenges, all that kind of thing. So yeah, and and what I'm interested to hear about is because I'm a big advocate of the whole partnership model, the collaborative model, all that kind of thing, and and how that fits into sort of a growth hacking strategy and and maybe some of the examples of the things that we mentioned in the intro and maybe some of the things you've done in the past. Yeah, sure. Uh, I think uh, I, I I probably mentioned Absumo the most because it brought us the most clients. But when we were doing Absumo, it wasn't for, uh, it was just in the beginning of the co- like uh, company process about two years ago. Uh, we were we just launched like six months ago. We had some clients, but we wanted more clients, especially not for revenue point, uh, but for getting people to do experiments and to validate what we should keep in the product, what we should change in the product. So that was our mindset when we're going to Absumo and launching our product there because we obviously the price that you give the uh, our the product that Absumo are quite lower and we do provide quite high quality product and it's not that easy to provide <laughs> that lower cost but it's worth it because you get a lot of clients uh, you can do a lot of changes to your product your uh, marketing your uh, customer support you understand better and you can do experiments uh, that was the mindset so just 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 before you sort of go on because um, there may be some people listening to this yeah. and going what the hell is AppSumo now it, uh, AppSumo is is it's for sort of SaaS platforms and and obviously apps and stuff and and, and that kind of thing, but um, I I kind of liken it to a, a Groupon type um, offering for um, you know SaaS products and, and things like that. Is that fair or is it have I got that wrong? Yeah, I think it's quite quite fair, but it's mostly most of the deals on Absumo are with lifetime access, which again is a great point that people uh, like to buy and test the product even if they don't need the product at the moment. And the great thing is that a lot of people there are quite early adapters and they're quite tech savvy. So if your clients are uh, tech savvy people, it, it can be very helpful for you. The key thing to understand is that AppSumo have the audience. They have yeah. people that companies like yours, people that have these sort of um, early stage SaaS products, um, they have the audience, they have the distribution, and they have the type of audience you've said, like the early adopters that are going to get in and use these things and sort of you know test them and break them and give you feedback and all that kind of thing, which would be incredibly difficult to just go out to the open market and find those you know with your own sort of marketing and that kind of thing. And 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 am I right in saying that there, as you say, you ha- you give away sort of li- uh, lifetime access and things like that, and obviously um, maybe more attractive pricing and obviously AppSumo sort of take. Um, part of the sale and all that kind of thing but is it's been worth it for you guys is that correct yes for sure uh, again not revenue wise but for um, uh, getting a lot of clients and getting a lot of feedbacks and based on that feedbacks we have improved product a lot and i mean a lot a lot and now uh, we've uh, come up with new features we've been able to do different experiments and it really helped for further developing our uh, company 
and even if you're sort of like listening to this and thinking, well, I'm not doing an app or anything like that, like it's it's the principle behind it that is it's yeah. the same thing. It's kind of like if you are launching some form of new service or you are just looking to grow and expand, this is an incredible way of thinking about how to almost overnight potentially gain access to exactly the right kind of people that you are looking to attract without needing to go and sink, you know, potentially millions, you know, these kind of companies, they've spent millions developing their platform, their audience, their network, all that kind of thing. They've spent money on advertising. It's kind of like they've got, um, and obviously this is a, a model that AppSumo run, but there are just other businesses out there. They'll have what's known as sunk cost assets. You know, they've spent money on generating leads. Yeah. Most businesses, they have a pretty average um, lead conversion rate. I mean, you know, anything from sort of like four to six percent. Yeah. But that means if you've generated and spent a lot of money on say fifty thousand leads, yeah. you've only ever converted four to six percent. There's a lot of sunk cost in the business there. So how can you go and find another business or um, you know potential partner with something like that, like that sunk cost asset that they have, and partner with them as long as they have a complementary product and it's something that you can then come to an agreement with. And say, look, this this is the ideal audience for for what we do. We don't compete, all that kind of thing. Why don't we do something together and 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 go that way? And if it's you know someone with fifty thousand leads, then you know you need a, a small percentage of that. It, it, it's it's I, that's why I think they are one of the biggest growth hacks that you can yeah. sort of think about. Yeah, for sure. And uh, the main thing for me is that uh, at the beginning of the business, sure, we all do business too earn money but at the beginning you should focus on getting the product that will get you money later on you need to even if it's not like a, a software product can be like anything uh you need to get uh, to be you need to be ready to not earn money for some time but get more clients so you can get feedback and then you can get uh, more money that's obviously one way of doing it and in terms of, yeah, kind of going, right, I'm effectively going to launch this um, service offer business, almost like a, a lost leader idea at the very beginning in order to generate the base. And then you're sort of thinking, right, where are those growth hacks within my existing base? Like, how can I encourage the advocacy? How can I get people to recommend? How can I blah, 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 that kind of thing. And it's kind of, it, it is an investment. It really is an investment at that point. Now, you may well be able to do things where you will generate revenue. You will, you know, be able to do things at the beginning. Maybe that's what you can do. However, it's not always the only way. And as long as you've got that strategy in place and you've got, say, you know, the, the capital that will allow you to do that, it's one way of doing it. Yeah, for sure. Cool. So, I mean, if somebody's thinking about, partnerships or collaboration or anything like that are there any sort of um i don't know tips that you can give people in terms of how to find the partnerships how to approach them and then how to manage them yeah uh first of all just uh, take a look and deep dive research uh and find uh, companies that you really want to work with that companies first of all you need to take a look if the company uh has um like uh, the leads that they will provide you, uh, they are the leads that you are seeking for. First of all, you need to have your uh, ideal customer. You need to see if your ideal customer matches those leads. 
And the one thing that I would like to mention as well, that a lot of companies don't, they pay attention to the quality of the leads, but they um, rarely pay attention to the company image because uh, now you're a small company, but you want to grow. You're just starting and you need to start thinking from the beginning of which companies you partner with. What are their reputation in the market? Uh, just think ahead and just check the company very well. Uh, just search and uh, see what people talk about them in the forums. Uh, take a look at different review websites. Uh, just deep dive and uh, see what's the company's reputation because you are tying kind of your name with that company, especially when you're just starting. A lot of people will remember you from uh, that uh, part and they will associate you with that company. That's that's a critical piece of advice that I think that if you are thinking around this, that you really do need to consider. It's it's not a short-term um, hack, really. It's a, it's a longer-term hack, for one of a, <laughs> again, a better way of thinking about it because, yeah, it's not only that your reputation is being... Um, kind of tied to that company it's also that you will be um you know because it can work the other way if you're recommending other businesses and that kind of thing it's like you need to put your client again at the center of it and you need to be asking your questions is this a reputable company if i was to send my clients to this company would they treat them well would it reflect good on me because you know the 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 spread of um bad messages on uh, yeah every social media site every review site everything like that um yeah there there used to be that old adage of there's no no such thing as bad publicity well i fundamentally disagree with that these days because if you screw it up and all you're doing is getting negative review negative review negative review it's going to hurt you that is not good publicity yes for sure nowadays uh, with the, the speed and uh, speed of the information it's uh, like uh, you need to be very careful because uh, whatever just uh, even for a minute there is a post on the web but if, even if you delete it, it 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 will stay still here there and it will pay uh, a lot of like uh, a lot it will be very painful to get out of it later on so very careful and that's why things like um, you know case studies, testimonials, reviews, all that kind of thing are vital today because that is the voice of the customer, and that's a growth hack if you want to think about it. Like, how can you um, improve your conversion rate? Well, increase the number of um, success stories that you get from clients, increase the number of testimonials, increase the number of reviews, and build that into your process because that's a. I don't think necessarily people consider these sorts of things as they're sales enablers like they are pieces of sales content that can be used throughout different parts of the buyer journey and the small incremental improvements on each site you know each part of that journey will ultimately compound into bigger growth yeah. and maybe there's things in there that can that can uh, um again you're finding out about what people think about you, like their troubles, their struggles, you know, what things were like, you know, not what their situation was before, how it felt to go through the process of solving the problem, how things are afterwards, all that kind of thing. And, and it's a storytelling process. And we still, no matter how evolved we are, we relate to stories. Like that is what we relate to. And that's a, that's a huge piece in there. So um, yeah, really, really interesting um, sort of points and, and thoughts there. So what I want to do is sort of, um, move on to today's virtual hot seat 
Hey, it's Adam. Now, just a quick one before we dive into today's virtual hot seat, because as the core philosophy behind the show is a rising tide lifts all ships, I'd love to invite you to come and hang out with me, my guests and other business owners and directors of established businesses with a track record of providing good, solid service and a positive reputation in their market inside the B2B Growth Think Tank community, where we all connect, solve problems and help each other grow more profitable businesses. It's free to join, so come along, join us at thinklikeafish.co.uk forward slash think tank group. I look forward to welcoming you, but first, let's get to today's virtual hot seat. And what we'll do is um, have a little look at this challenge that has been sent in by a listener. Today's virtual hot seat challenge is uh, is coming from someone that's a, a solo consultant. And what they're saying is that I'm experiencing a challenge where I'm doing different things for different clients and the clients are random and they're not in the same vertical. My question is how to address this challenge when my network, which is referring clients to me, exists in multiple different verticals. What are your first thoughts when you hear that? Been there, done that. I <laughs> agencies and that was one of the most annoying things for me personally, that you work with different companies in different fields. Actually, it's better to try to focus on less like if, if you are the one who's getting the clients if you're a freelancer or an agency owner i would suggest eventually to go with like one two or three like uh, segments and choose clients from the, those segments because no matter how hard you try how big is your company it's very hard to like do e-commerce do like uh, real estate do they're completely different fields each field requires different approaches so at the end i would like suggest to choose um path just which one you you want to go with uh, where do you have most experience uh, and just have ground rules for each one just know have knowledge for each uh, category of the client that you are working with if you go all over the place it will always be hard to uh, have enough knowledge uh, i've uh, i've done a lot of like um work in different agencies i've done e-commerce marketing now i'm doing startup marketing it's all very different uh sure there are like techniques are same you're setting up the google ads the same technically but there goes so many much uh, things there that you won't be able to be very uh, good at it if you don't focus on at least at max uh, three different fields yeah and i i think that sort of reading into this i think that that is what they've um they've identified and they are wanting to go into it. And I think that, first of all, the thing that came to mind was, well, you're obviously delivering something that's valuable because you're having people in your network refer. And that is always a good sign that you deliver value and that there is, you know, it's a validated um, offer. It is something that people want and all that kind of thing. And you're obviously doing a good job of refer, of sort of um, making it easy for people to refer you. Now, obviously, we don't know how many referrals they're getting and all that kind of thing. So I think to sort of consider the the, the root of the challenge, I think it's the first thing is, is, is all the things that you've said is like, have you actually sat down and gone, this is where I want to specialize? Yeah. Like that's the first thing to consider because unless you know what that is, you cannot then start to almost educate your referral sources 
in terms of the kind of um, clients that you do your best work with. Because there's sometimes nothing worse than than sort of receiving a referral and knowing it's completely wrong and then having to have that sort of awkward, mm, I don't know if this is the right person, but I, you know, there's a great referral source. I don't, you know, I don't know how um, sort of how much social capital is, is sort of in this and all that sort of stuff. So I think it is, it's, it's important to really sort of think about that. And once you've got that, one of the things that I consider doing is is just sort of contacting all the people that have referred to you in the past and just simply having a conversation and sort of, you know, just saying thank you. Like, there's the first thing. Thank you very much for sending me these referrals. They've been um, fantastic. Um, one thing um, I just wanted to let you know is that I am focusing the way that I um, or, or the direction of my business. So I want to make sure that the referrals, if you're, if you're continuing to send them, I want to make sure that I'm going to be able to do my best work for them. So here is where I am. Like that's something that you can do. Um, the other thing is, is making things very clear on your marketing, you know, your website, everything that you sort of put out into the world that is very, very specific on who you accept and who you reject. Like accept is one thing, but often we don't put the, the kind of characteristics or the, um, I guess the things that you would would reject in a client, yeah. like it's not always upfront. You know, if somebody is just, you know, for example, if they um, are a startup business and you only work with established businesses, like you would reject a startup business. Yeah. A business in, um, you know, the first two years of their existence, for example, like that is something you would have to reject because yeah. you may know that over time you've not been able to get the same level of um result potentially that um you, you can with others it's just an example it's not saying that you should never work with startups but it's 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 one of those examples um i mean does that sort of bring anything else to mind have you if you sort of seen things like that happen um and, and been through a similar kind of exercise yeah basically what i wanted to add to what we just said is when choosing like uh what companies you're working with what fields you're working with with always ask yourself how scalable that uh, field is uh how let's say in two years and three years how many uh, clients customers will we be able to have if you go with this direction and not that direction and the uh, keep that in sync with your own goals and uh, choose where you want to go. Mm. And, and the, the last thing that sort of comes to mind for this person is, is, is an idea that um, may or may not be appropriate, but if they've got a, a pool of people making referrals, then it potentially means that you've got a group of people that you could also bring together and, you know, whatever you want to call it, a little a community, a, a mastermind, a referral network, whatever it is. And if you're the one at the center, I mean, I call this as part of my process, the network maximizer, but it is where you're the one that is sort of like connecting. So not only are you potentially going to generate more revenues for your uh, more referrals for yourself, but you are also the, um, uh, the, you put yourself in the leadership position of then connecting all of your other referral sources. But you, if you are now looking to go in a very specific way, you can get very specific with the kind of verticals or the referral sources you've had in the past that you invite into that. And maybe you do something as simple as a, a, a Zoom conversation once a month, once every quarter, whatever that may well be, where you just discuss 
things that are going on in the business. What are you looking for help with? Um, you know, are you looking for things, that kind of stuff? And you're the sort of connector between that. And what that will do is that will position you as that leadership um, role. And you will ultimately, I be, you know, I found more people will start sort of reaching out and connecting and referring and, and all the rest of it. But then you're doing, you're not keeping it to yourself. You know, my, my philosophy is a rising tide lifts all ship. So yeah, we're also can you do something like that? And there as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, there's some sort of ideas. And I think that, that the core one is you've got to make the decision yourself before you can even start to accept uh, or expect other people to be only sort of referring the right kind of people to you. And then you have to take the leadership role in actually educating and talking to people about the things that you do and the kind of people you help and the kind of results that you actually help them achieve. And that would be one of you know the, the first two steps. And then maybe considering the idea of, of that sort of referral network, that mastermind group, whatever you want to call it, because that could be incredibly powerful. That could be the only marketing or sales or business development you ever need to do yeah. because it's that powerful. Um, that is a growth hack, by the way. <laughs> it really is. Um, so, um, no, thank you very much for that. That's um, that's. Uh, I, I do enjoy do, doing these and sort of bouncing the ideas. So, um, I hope that has been helpful for not just um, who sent this in, but also everybody listening. So, um, before we go, I want to ask you a little bit about um, Ten Web. Um, what what is Ten Web? What is the problem it solves? And um, yeah, all that sort of stuff. Sure, uh, thank you. So basically what we do, we are an automated WordPress platform. Uh, we basically try to automate all the necessary aspects uh, that agencies, freelance developers uh, have on the daily manual tasks and make them focus on more like, their business growth while helping automating different uh, aspects of uh, website development, website management, uh, and website optimization. Uh, as I've already mentioned during the talk, one of my fav personal favorite features is our automated 90 plus page speed optimization that just uh, optimizes your websites with just one click and you get very high page speed score. Uh, they are clients get more uh, higher ranking, more clients uh, and uh, your website, uh, your clients' websites will be hosted on TenWeb. Uh, and our platform is, uh, our servers are on Google Cloud. So the hosting is quite fast, quite secure. And the other thing, if you want to uh, build a new website for your client, uh, you want to experiment. We talked a lot about experiments. We've launched about uh, six months ago, um, AI website builder, where you can get a website by just uh, copy pasting URL and getting a copy of your website, of a website without copying the code. So uh, you have a template, uh, you can put a template that you can do A-B tests on and see what works for your clients. It's uh, basically we're automating that processes for agencies, for freelancers, uh, to so they can just focus on their business, business growth and get better results for their clients. And it's, it's interesting. So this is, this is something that you provide to um, other businesses, agencies to implement for their clients, right? Yeah, so it doesn't necessarily, uh, does it go to end users? So that can be obviously bought sure. directly? Or? We do have three plans. We do have uh, one website plan, three website plan, and uh, 10 and more website plans. Uh, and end users can, if they are tech savvy and they prefer WordPress, they can use it as well. Our AI builder is quite easy to use. You just 
as I said, confirm the URL or even in the migration, it's quite easy as well, getting 90 plus page speed score. Uh, and it can be very beneficial for end users as well. Uh, for end users, it's quicker and it's easier and it makes WordPress uh, less scary if you are not a developer. Say, uh, for agencies and freelancers, it's more like efficient and uh, more uh, time-saving uh, for to use uh, Tanweb, so they can focus on more important things like growing their business, communicating them with their clients, um, and things like that. I think um, I, I think what I've found interesting about that is the conversation we had around the whole partnership and the collaboration and all the rest of it. Like this in itself is an example of a partnership model. Because you could have taken this to the end user and that would have been potentially a slower burn trying to convince end users. But what you've done is you've gone and found where there is a, uh, you know, a pond of, of hungry fish already existing and you are partnering with the owner of that pond for want of a better way of describing it. And, and therefore, I mean, I, I, I'm making an assumption, but um, the sort of the model that you operate, are you doing it in terms of almost like a licensing piece where... They they buy um, access to your your platform and then they sell seats on the on, on each one or they charge like how how does that model work? Yeah. Basically, we um, charge them for uh, the number of websites that they have, but how much they charge their client, it's all up to them. Uh, we give them access to our TevUp dashboard where they can give uh, access to their clients. Soon our, our user management will be live, so they will be give access to different clients to their own website but how much they charge their clients it's all up to the agencies um, they can decide that yeah and it's uh, i mean if you just think about that for, for for a minute and again it's sort of like coming back to the growth hacking idea as well it's it's like you you could find a, a client for example for your um, 10 web which would be an agency now that agency could have a hundred existing clients yeah like that is potentially instantly um revenue for your business yeah yes for sure by helping them add more value to their clients yeah now not every client will not every one of those hundred are going to necessarily come on board with it but even if it's a you know a 10 percent, a 20 percent, 50 percent, like that is really powerful for you as a business and it's a smart model because you haven't had to sell to each of those individual clients yeah and you don't have to deal with the um uh, you know the, the the fulfillment of it you don't have to deal with any of that it's kind of like well this is how we then simplify our model to allow us to hack growth and i think that's a great great example of really it summarizes the whole conversation i think and uh, it shows that you live it not just talk it so it's fantastic so um if people are interested if there's a, a an agency you're listening or a web developer um what's the best uh, i mean temweb.com Com, is that right? Is the website? .io. .io, .io, if you want to go and check it out and have a look. Um, reach out on LinkedIn? Yes, they can uh, always reach out on LinkedIn uh, to me directly. They can always talk to our support team via chat. We do have 24-7 live chat support with the real agents. <laughs> they are always fast. Awesome. And um, yes, I will leave the link in the show notes because we won't ask you to spell your name um, if they want to go and find you on LinkedIn. Um, but um, yes, we will do that. But it's um, or spell your first name. It's probably one of the few <laughs> and and 10 web. So it's, it's A-R-A-K-A-S. 
A-R-A-K-S, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, now you can see why I was uh, nervous about pronouncing it. So um, <laughs> um, it's been a, a great conversation. Thank you ever so much for joining me. Um, is there any sort of final words of wisdom, any thoughts, anything that I haven't asked you that you wanted to sort of cover off before we say goodbye? Yeah, I basically would uh, like to suggest uh, giving advice to everyone to just uh, always pay attention to data never forget about data and do tests for sure that's uh, one of the main things where you can actually hack the growth definitely definitely and maybe we should all start going to work in a white lab coat just to remind <laughs> ourselves of that so um thank you very much this has been a a great conversation i thoroughly enjoyed it and i hope everybody listening has too and uh, have a great rest of your day and we'll speak soon thank you so that's it for this episode I hope you found it valuable. I hope you got some great ideas that you can take away and apply to your business to help you grow. If you did, please share it with somebody else that might also find this valuable because they will thank you for it. Also, to let you know that I have a podcast gift page where I put a lot of resources that I love to share with my listeners. You can find the links to join the Facebook community there and you can get my book, the Conversational Relationship Marketing and the audiobook version all for free, plus a number of other resources I'll be adding over time on that page. So make sure you head there to thinklikeafish.co.uk forward slash podcast gift and you can help yourself to the things that make most sense to you. And if you have enjoyed the show, please make sure you're subscribed. You'll get updated as the new episodes come out. And finally, last favor, please consider giving the show your honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I read every single one. They mean the world for me. I love hearing from my listeners and it does help others find the show as well. So if you want to go and do that, I'd really appreciate it. But until next time, have an awesome day and we'll speak soon.